Squares Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Friends, we want to welcome you once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is Steve Fielder. I'm proud to report that I've got both feet firmly on dry ground. I've got a roof over my head. I've got the limbs and, and leaves and all that cleaned up from the yard here on the at the homestead here in uh, the west coast of Florida. Uh, we survived Hurricane Ian, praise be to the Lord above, uh, no damage. Uh, in fact, when the hurricane uh, came in at Punta Gorda down by Fort Myers and You've seen, I'm sure, on TV all the devastation that it caused. Uh, It's very, very saddening. Uh, But when it came in there, it decided to take kind of a northeasterly track and uh, up up toward, uh, actually, more or less toward Daytona Beach. So when it did that, it took us out of the cone. We had originally been scheduled to be at Ground Zero or uh, right in the bullseye here in the Tampa Bay area. So we're very, very thankful for that. And uh, uh, But uh, I'm more thankful right now for the opportunity that I have to present to you a guest that uh, I did some checking back on the records of the podcast and uh, this guy was one of our first guests when i started the gone to the dogs podcast way back in november 1st of uh, 2021 Uh, man josh it doesn't seem like it's been that long josh muncie from the great state of west virginia uh, it's great to be talking to you, Steve, and I know it sure don't seem like it's been that long ago. Uh, glad you guys made it through that hurricane safe. Uh, a lot of prayers going up for you on our end, I know that. Well, I appreciate that for sure, Josh, and I'm sure that goes for a lot of the people out there that mentioned that they were concerned and that they were praying for us. And I would uh, take that opportunity to urge everyone within the sound of our voices today to bow their heads and and pray for the people in Florida who, who some have lost everything. Uh, I think Ella told me today there had been at least uh, sixty some confirmed deaths due to this hurricane, and to see the devastation, it really is sad. But uh, we yeah. want to pray for those folks and lift them up, their families, and all in this incredibly difficult time. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, uh, we had <laughs> a little hiccup. Uh, you were going to be on the uh, podcast last week, and in the one that I titled "Gone to the Dogs in a Hurricane," but as it turned out, this uh, this uh, technician on this end of the conversation had some difficulties because when we recorded, your end of the the conversation came out. Uh, just terrific. Mine, not so much. I had some mic problems, some technical problems, but hopefully this one will uh, will make up for that one. We we had a real good conversation. I'm looking forward to getting back into that and sharing it with our uh, our listeners here on the Gone to the Dogs podcast. I will mention real briefly before I forget our good friends out at Du Hunting Supply. Uh, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, 
all the staff at DU Supply that do such a great job supplying the hound hunters across the country and around the world, really, with great products and great service. So we want to thank them for the opportunity to come to you today. Yeah. You bet. Well, Josh, um, when I first uh, got acquainted with you, it was through what you then called your Muncie Outdoors YouTube channel. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, right away, I was impressed with your boys. Uh, and uh, <laughs> they're quite uh, quite the young men. Very, very uh, polite, uh, friendly, uh, just, uh, just great kids. And last, uh, when was it? Back earlier in the summer, maybe, that you were down here and I got to meet with you and the boys and we went out to lunch and, and had a great visit. Yes, sir. I believe that was back in, back in June when we made it down that way. Well, I sure enjoyed it, and uh, uh, we we sure did too. It was a, uh, it, it was one of those things that we planned. Uh, part of, that was part of the trip that we had planned, and uh, well, it was getting to meet you and hang out for a little bit. And I know me and the me and the boys, we all we all really enjoyed that, and I'm sure Brittany enjoyed the break as well. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, uh, tell the audience about your boys. Uh, well, Bryson, he's uh Getting ready to turn seventeen here, uh, October the October the seventh. He'll turn. Uh, he'll be turning seventeen. Uh, great kid. I can't. I could be more proud of uh, of either of our boys. Uh, like you said, I, I take pride in the fact that they they are uh, they're big hearted, uh, love love people, and uh, I'm proud proud of both of them. They keep us busy. They keep us busy with uh, chasing a basketball around, and Bryson likes to make a lot of noise with. Uh, Playing music, whether it's guitar, piano, or whatever, he uh, he he keeps the uh, the house usually pretty pretty loud. And uh, and as far as Peyton, our youngest one, he'll turn uh, he'll turn fourteen the day after Christmas, and uh, probably the, the biggest hearted person that I that I know. And I'll give uh, I'll give a lot of that credit uh, to their mom because uh, that most of their good qualities they uh, they seem to have gotten from her. Uh, so, you know, so Josh. Her, I, yeah, I'm good, for that. absolutely. Hats off to Brittany and uh, uh, man. I tell you, you 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 married way up. Way oh, up. no doubt, no <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt about it. I thank the Lord for it every day. You betcha. Well, I just you know little things, body language and all. When I was with you and the boys, you know, and we would, uh, you know, it's no secret. I'm a senior citizen. You know, I, I'm a lot older, and I must seem old as dirt to those boys because, uh, uh, you know, here's a guy in his seventies, and they're still in their teens. But the body language, especially from Peyton, you know, just reaching over, touching your arm, and just, uh, you know, as you go through the door and kind of uh, stepping back and, let, you know, um, those little things mean a lot. And I was very, very impressed with your boys. And, uh, yeah. and the job that you and Brittany have done with them is, uh, is just really amazing and uh, I just uh, wish that all parents out there would take the time and invest in the future of their kids the way you guys have. So uh, uh, we appreciate that, and that that is one of the greatest compliments we get we, that us as parents could uh, could probably get. We're we're extremely proud of them. 
Well, that's true. We are proud of our kids. And as I'm, uh, as we're recording this right now, I just texted with my son, and he lives up on the west side of Chicago, and he's waiting. Was waiting for uh, car service to come by and pick him up, take him out to O'Hare, and he'll be on a jet to Amsterdam uh, in wow. his job. He frequently flies around the world and i'm just real proud of chris and he's a family man to the bone i mean no place he'd rather be than home with his uh, lovely wife teresa and their daughter chloe uh, who of course is my pride and joy and uh, but our kids are everything and to see kids get involved you know in our sport uh is really refreshing to me and to see all the organizations that are out there that are trying to do things to get these kids involved in coon hunting where they can enjoy the sport the way that, that I have all my life long. And I started when I was a kid with my dad, you know, when I was only three years old, the first hunt that I remember taking on my grandpa's mule with my dad. But anyway, I don't want to talk all about me today. I want to I want to talk some coon hunting with you, uh, uh, Josh. Uh, you're down there in the hills of southern West Virginia in the part of the world where I was raised. And uh, down there, coon hunting is kind of a, well, I don't want to say religion, uh, I, you know, but it, it's it's a, certainly a tradition in those mountains. And uh, it's not easy, is it? Uh, no, uh, it, it isn't easy. Uh, and, and that's, uh, that's okay. The people around here seem to be accustomed, to, uh, uh, and equipped to handle stuff that ain't easy, uh, <laughs> a lot, of, a lot of times. So, yeah. uh, and, and some of that is, uh, uh, brought on by ourselves, I believe, uh, making stuff more difficult on ourselves. Or maybe, maybe, uh, coon hunt may be the epitome of that, <laughs> of, uh, of making things difficult on ourselves that we don't necessarily necessarily have to do but uh we certainly enjoy it and and it is a very deep-rooted uh tradition around here and something that i'm i'm proud to be be a part of that well yeah and you know there's a a latin expression uh or i guess it's the motto for the state of west virginia montana semper liberi i believe i'm pronouncing that right mountaineers always free and there's always been a sense of freedom and, uh, uh, you know, the people that settled those mountains in the Appalachians and all were fiercely independent, private-type people, wanted to get away, you know, from from the pressing crowd, so to speak, you know, and seek out the remote places and, and uh, throughout the Smokies and up through Virginia and West Virginia there and... And uh, it's just there's just a fierce individualism and mm-hmm. uh, a hearty uh, outdoor, you know, tough as wit leather, I like to say, <laughs> yeah. is the yeah. mountaineer spirit. And, you know, uh, people that aren't from that part of the country may not understand it. You know, I think they see us sometimes as being backward people that you know un possibly uneducated or whatever at least that's the way the media likes to portray us at times but but for sure you're going to find some extremely well educated intelligent hard-working god-fearing people in that part of the country and it's it's kind of sad to see the economic 
problems that the area has uh, endured yes, down through the years because, you know, basically coal mining has been it for that area. Yes, and, sir. Isn't it? Yeah. But uh, at any rate, I'm proud to be a mountaineer, aren't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I know there's good people everywhere, but uh, if, if you gave me a choice where I'd want to be from, I wouldn't change a thing. It'd be right here. Well, that's for sure, and I have so many good memories. People laugh at me for all my stories, you know, but there's just so many stories from that part of the world that come to mind to me and just over and over. My dad being from Middle Tennessee, a farm boy, you know, in the rolling farm country just west of Nashville, told my brother, he said, when I married your mother and we moved to West Virginia, I fell in love with the mountains. And oh, yeah. I, I think that's the case of many people who've who've gone away, and and there's been quite a few celebrities that have come and and had and made their homes, you know, especially uh, vacation homes and maybe retirement homes in the mountains. One I can think of is uh, Bob Denver, who put, played on Gilligan's Island, if yeah. anybody remembers that old TV show, and uh, he, you know, he had a home there in in Princeton, West Virginia, which is not very far south of where I grew up. But anyway, we'll uh, see if the Chamber of Commerce in West Virginia won't put us on the payroll because... Yeah, that's right. We... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, uh, Josh, I know from watching your YouTube channel that you've changed the name uh, of your channel from Muncie Outdoors to Boneyard Outdoors. How'd that come about? Well, it uh, it kind of started. It's something that I got, like I we kind of talked about previously in the in the first podcast that we done. That uh, it wasn't something that we intended on it being what it is with with sponsors and and, and things like that. That was never our intentions in starting out. Uh, so I threw that I threw that name on there simply because that was our last names and and everything we was going to do was going to be outdoors. So it was pretty simply uh, simply named, uh, but. Uh, we we got to the point where we wanted to start having some other people involved, uh, even some that that weren't our, that uh, weren't members of our family, the Muncie family, and and we wanted to change uh, kind of directions. Uh, so we we felt like it was better, it was easier to get other people involved in it if it wasn't just about us and just about our family. And uh, and we're still in the process of of doing that as far as reaching out and getting other people involved, maybe making some videos and. Uh, having other people making making videos that we uh, that we put up on the on the channel, and so that that's something that we're we're looking into and trying to get the right people uh, to to do that. To have the right kind of the personality and the and the character that that we want on, on that page, where people feel like uh, parents will feel comfortable with their kids watching our channel, knowing they're not going to hear any any bad language or see anything they shouldn't, and it's just going to be us having a good time, and and that that's kind of what we want to want to portray but the boneyard name is uh i have a cousin named micah markham and a lot of a lot of the even the competition hunters are going to know who micah is he uh he is uh he's he's hunted on the every stage the biggest stages there is and he's been pretty successful at it. he's he's done pretty good with the coon hunting and uh and he when he hunts around here that's what he always calls it was the boneyard uh and when he would put his post on Facebook, that's what he always uh, said, tree and coons here in the boneyard. So 
uh, he was one that we're, we're going to bring off from time to time. So we just kind of went with that name and, uh, kind of just for the, for the, for the area here. And, that, and that's what we kind of call it around hunting around here is hunting in the boneyard. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a catchy name with a history, uh, a that's foundation right. to it. So that's, that makes it doubly cool as they say. Well, that's great. That's great. Well, I know when I first started look, uh, watching your podcast, uh, first of all, I was uh, taken by Peyton's avail- uh, ability to do your advertising. And, yes, sir. Uh, and all. He, that man's got a future in media if he wants to pursue it. I agree 100%. That's uh, when we were, when we made it down to Autumn Oaks and we were down there, there were several people that knew who Peyton was. And, uh, and that was yeah. her statement that that young man is a, is a salesman. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it, and he, he can talk to anybody and he can talk about anything. And when it comes to these coon hounds and, and, and coon hunting, both my boys are just, they started hunt they started coon hunting when I did. So if I know it, uh, they know it. And, and if I yeah. can talk about it, they can talk about it with just yeah. as much uh, uh, information as I that I can muster up. Well, I, I guarantee that's the truth, and uh, they they really are. We can't say enough about the boys, and uh, and uh, what a great uh, opportunity it was for me to meet them and see them again at Autumn Oaks. And we're going to talk about Autumn Oaks in a minute. But um, I noticed on your podcast, uh, not your podcast, but your YouTube channel and some of your posts on social media, that your friend um, lost his dog uh, recently, a dog that obviously both of you uh, depended on quite a bit, and we've, saw it, we've seen him on the YouTube videos and so forth. Uh, tell us about Max, who he was, or what he was, and what happened to him, and just kind of give me that story, if you would, uh, Josh. Okay, yeah. Now, Max, uh, Max is really he's the reason that I got into uh, into coon hunting at all. Uh, honestly, uh, Channing, uh, everybody who has watched any of our YouTube channel, Channing is on most of them, and Channing, Channing is my he's my first cousin, but me and him have become more like brothers through this coon hunting thing, and that just seems to be the way it goes. Uh, but he, he went and picked Max up from a guy that we went to church with at the time. Uh, and when he picked Max up, Max was just a, a little puppy. I mean, he was just, uh, just, just weaned actually probably six or eight weeks old, not very old dog when he got him. And, uh, he came home and he told me that he had, that, that guy had a couple other pups. And, uh, so I went down and looked at him and, and got one and me and Channing, and we ran those pups together for, for a long time and we've kind of talked about that even on the other podcast that we ran those pups together and uh and we we let them pups trying to hunt uh together knowing what we know now we wouldn't have done that uh that that we didn't know that you wasn't supposed to just run two pups to uh two <laughs> pups together but we did and uh and we felt the pain from every bit of it <laughs> I, I assure you of that uh but now max he was a uh insane bred dog uh went back to insane jane if i'm not mm-hmm. not mistaken uh, mm-hmm. and uh as far as his papers i can't tell you a whole lot about his papers but i know that insane blood there's something chanting uh he, he swore by after we got max and, and i understand i understood why max was a uh a special dog and i know a lot of people have a lot of good dogs and, and say the same thing uh about about their dogs and 
you can everybody can say this bloodline's the best or however you want to say it, mm-hmm. but uh, that never really mattered much to me. But now he was a uh, Max was an impressive dog. Uh, when we would take him out, he probably treated his first coon. Uh, the pup that I got was off a previous litter, so he was a little bit older than Max. Uh, and you would think that he would be would have been a little further along, uh, but that wasn't the case. Max, it didn't take long for Max to leave him in the leave him in the dust. And uh, we actually we took another man's older dog. The first night we ever treated a coon, uh, we took another guy's uh, older jip dog, hunting, hoping to show these pups what to do. Uh, and Max got off by himself. The older dog and and my pup were standing at our feet when Max was across the hollow from us treed and. Uh, we walked over there, and uh, he sure enough had the coon, and uh, he never slowed down. Uh, after after that night, he treated that coon, and it never it never stopped. And of the five and a half years that that we hunt, that I hunted with Max, uh, I would say ninety five percent of the coons that that dog treated, I was I was under the tree uh, looking at them, and I'd say ninety five percent of the coons that I've ever looked at has been because that dog has showed them to me. Um, and he, I could count over those years. I could count on both hands less than ten slick trees we ever walked to. Um, wow! Uh, he was just—he was an—he impre- was an impressive, an impressive sure. dog. I'm uh, sure. He just—he did—he didn't miss, didn't miss none. He was not a fast. He was not a super fast hunter. Uh, he was going to take his time, but he was going to be right. Well, that's uh, to guys like me. That means the world, right there. Uh, I realize it may not be a, always the winning combination in competition, but, uh, well, listen, let's describe Max. Uh, we'll start with what he looked like. Uh, I, I told Channing from, from the get go, once Max got a little bit older and started feeling out a little bit and getting away from that puppy look, I told him from the get go, he was the prettiest Walker dog I'd probably ever, ever laid eyes on. And that that's probably still, still true right now. He uh, just blanket backed, a uh, lot of black, a lot of black on him. He's a beautiful dog, big, mm-hmm. big houndy dog. He was, a, he was a beautiful, beautiful dog. What would he weigh? You guess? I would say Max probably uh, here here at the end. I'm going to say he was probably sixty pounds, sixty five pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was just he was good. He was well put together. Good-looking look, dog. Mm-hmm. Typical tri-colored walker dog with a tan or red head, or was he black-headed dog? No, he was a black-headed dog. Very uh-huh. little brown, very I little brown you. on him. I got you. Okay. Well, I, Nubbin Moore, of course, anybody that listens to this podcast knows Nubbin, and uh, he has a real nice female. Her name is uh, Alabama Insane Kate, and she's out of Insane Cane. Which yeah. uh, that bloodline is definitely a good bloodline of Walker dogs, no, no doubt about it. Well, okay, so Max, uh, when you unsnapped him, what could you expect? Uh, he wasn't going to hang around. If you, when you unsnapped him, he was going to he was going to go hunt. Like I said, he wasn't going to leave the country running 15, 20 mile an hour. That just wasn't how he was going to hunt. He was going to hunt uh, uh, thorough. He was gonna he was gonna mm-hmm. move around good, and he was gonna cover a lot of ground. Uh, he didn't, and he didn't care to go uh, as deep as he had to 
had to go and he got us in some absolute messes. Uh, <laughs> some of the, some of the best nights I've ever had in the Hills were because of Max and some of the worst nights I've ever had in the Hills were because of Max. <laughs> and, uh, and he could have, if Channing would have wanted to push him in, in some competition hunts, he, he could have titled Max, um, uh, easily. Uh, he was just that kind of dog. He just could have, he could have, yeah. uh, and went, had a whole lot of trouble. Channing just, he never had a big interest in pushing, pushing the competition hunts. And, uh, so he didn't have any titles, but, uh, as far as competition hunting, he didn't have any titles. He was Channing's buddy. And that's probably mm. the most important title that a dog could have. And, uh, but he was he was extremely he was extremely impressive. Big loss, a big loss for for Channing, big oh, loss for us. I well, mean, I, and I I made this statement before that uh, if I asked the boys if they wanted to go hunting, I mean, and they love to coon hunt, but uh, they would always ask me, "Is Channing taking Max?" And if if Max wasn't going that night, they didn't really care if they loaded up in or not. <laughs> well, uh, describe for the listeners out there uh, kind of what the typical territory that you would hunt in that dog when you took max you and channing went out there and took max where would you go now we were we we like to turn a dog we like to start at the bottom of the of a hollow and and turn the dog up the hollow and that's usually how we hunted him but and we couldn't it never it, we never had a whole lot of good good luck it seemed like turning him up on on a ridge top or and he was not going to road hunt if you tried to push him on a road he was going to step to the side and let you drive on by uh he wasn't going to mm-hmm. do that you was going to you was going to drop hunt him and uh like i said we had a lot better better luck turning him up a holler and let him let him hunt that holler out and and sometimes he may you may pick him up three hollows over uh but he's <laughs> he was he was going to go and they're you was picking him up off a tree. He was not coming back to you. When you speak about a hollow, basically that's a, a drainage where there's a creek coming down uh, yeah. gradually from the top somewhere back at the head of that hollow and yep. steep ridges on either side, correct? And yes, then, and then Yeah, extremely steep. And then as you talk about him treeing two or three hollows over, well, that's when you climb up that side and you get to the top, you got to drop down in another holler and then climb back up that side and then maybe in the third holler. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, sir. Up and over mountains, up and down mountains. Uh, <laughs> a lot of times now we, we tried to hunt in places where we would have a road around to, to some of these places. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, and you never know which direction the dog's going to go. So, uh mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's extremely steep uh, walking walking these mountains, which you know well. Absolutely. Well, has some of this uh, territory that you're hunting been strip mined and reclaimed, or maybe not reclaimed? Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of it. Uh, mo- there's a lot of strip mines around here, and that that's really where most of our access roads come come from. Is from the old mining roads, or uh, a gas mm-hmm. company may put a road into the top of a ridge somewhere. So. Right. We take advantage of those where we where we can. Sure. Well, I just tried to set the scene for those that are so blessed to be hunting around cornfields and patches of timber, and or maybe like those who'll be going here pretty soon out to the uh, national refuges along the Mississippi and Arkansas deltas uh, there to hunt in those big, wide, uh, you know, oak. Uh, river bottoms uh it's not quite like that back where you and i come from is it 
No, there's times I certainly wish it was, <laughs> but but no, it's not. I, I'm I'm envious of the of, the, of those, some of those guys who have those uh, river bottoms they can hunt and the uh, mm. and have have the cornfields that you can turn the dog. And I'm not saying that's easy hunting. I know it comes with its own own set of difficulties hunting in those areas and getting into the swampy areas. And that that's just that comes seems to come with the hunting the flatter the flatter ground. Uh, and, and it seems like. Uh, those guys even have more trouble sometimes with dogs getting hit on roads and stuff like that exactly. than even what we do. And I know there's uh, dangers that come come with that. Uh, but uh, I, I would I would I wouldn't turn an invitation down to, t- to hunt in one of those big flat places <laughs> one you, night, or two. Any of you flatlanders out there, river bottom hunters, listen up. You That's can call right. it's on he's on YouTube at Boneyard Outdoors on facebook at the same no uh you know I, as you're talking there josh i can just think back over the years and i was so blessed to hunt in so many different parts of the country you know i've even hunted coons in wyoming if you can believe that yeah and when dean carroll first asked me to come out there and hunt I thought, well, why would I want to go that far just to coon hunt? You know, I mean, I was living in, in uh, Michigan or perhaps in North Carolina by that time. But, um, you know, been really blessed to have hunted uh, over a lot of, um, uh, you know, different uh, types of territory and terrain. And it's fun just to sit back and, uh, you know, relive those hunts and just relive the those uh experiences you know as a hunter right now i'm just thinking about what a what it neat how neat it was to be maybe hunting around flora illinois or down around southern indiana uh and turn loose in a big uh, river bottom cornfield and you can feel just the the dampness in the air, the cooler air down around that bottom. You know, of course, if you're in there in the summertime, that translates to humidity, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it almost feels like a wool blanket someone's laid across you. But just the different kinds of you know uh, the experiences, be out there in the woods walking along maybe it's it's hot and then all of a sudden you feel a, a cool breeze that just kind of comes from nowhere you know and yeah and uh, I, so many sights and sounds and experiences to coon hunting uh, even beyond the dogs and uh, of course the sound of that dog opening uh, in that bottom is just something that uh, you can't you can't describe to a person who's who hasn't experienced it, right? No, you're you're exactly you're exactly right. Uh, you you can't you can't describe that to somebody. I've tried to describe it to my wife, and she thinks we're idiots uh, <laughs> because she she just don't get it. She hears dogs barking all day, and she does not understand get the hype. I just say. yeah, she's not she's not about that lifestyle. We took her. Uh, I took her one night and. Uh, I've got her to go on one hunt with me mm-hmm. uh, since since I've been doing this, and it was an easy one hundred yard walk to the tree, uh, flat walk to the tree, and she hated every step. And uh, 
and she I, she won't go back. I've invited her several times, and she she won't go back with me uh, anymore to do that. Well, I I have that very same experience in my home. So <laughs> one one and done was, I'm sure, was I'm Miss sure Ella. Not, I'm sure we're not alone on that. <laughs> That's absolutely for sure. Well, before we um, get away from the Max dog altogether, yeah. there. Uh, well, uh, before we close that chapter out, let's let's talk about you had a, a litter mate to him, was it, or a full brother to him? Right. Well, he was. He was. They had the same. Uh, they had the same. Uh, they had the same dad. Okay. Out of the, both, both litters. But I see. Mine yeah. was about six months older I than his, you. I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you? Do you still have that dog? I don't. I, I hunted him probably a year, a year and a half, uh, and I we we knew pretty quick that he wasn't. He just he wasn't. He didn't care to go. He just mm-hmm. had no idea what to do while he was running around in the dark park, and he just had no idea. And uh, yeah. but now, and, and and a lot of that was my fault. Uh, I didn't know how to train the dog. I didn't know how to uh, put him in put him in the right situations to help build confidence, which I've learned is extremely. Uh, extremely important uh, to not put a pup always in a in a position where the the track is going to be difficult and and you're where you're going to get upset and put him in a position where you're scolding him for not doing something that he has no idea that you want him to do. Uh, you yeah. have to put pups. You have to put young pups in a situation to be successful, and uh, and you have to praise them every opportunity you get as quickly as you uh, you'll punish one or correct one you should be just as quick to praise one when it does even the littlest thing right because the confidence uh in a dog is uh it's it's important you have learned a lot gained a lot of wisdom in the short number of years that you've been hunting uh josh because that's absolutely true put them in a position to win that's why when we take kids fishing for the first time we don't we don't take them to Alaska to catch salmon. We take them to a farm pond where the bluegills will just tear a red worm up, you know. That's right. And where they can catch them. And uh, that's why um, squirrel hunting or rabbit hunting perhaps or, or even coon hunting is a great uh, gateway for young people. They don't have to get out there and sit in a tree all day long and freeze to death and and be quiet the whole whole day, uh, but yeah, put a pup in position to win. Um, yes, sir. Give him, uh, you know, and and we use feeders and things of that nature uh, to make sure that they have hot tracks to start with. Now, do we want to overdo that? No. As they progress, we want them to learn to go hunting, to find their track and all. But if they learn with the easy ones, then you know they'll rapidly progress into the area that they uh that we want to see them uh you know enter and 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 continue with but uh max um died at what five six years old yeah he was five and a half six years old uh right in that area and he uh he'd got loose he got out of his kennel which he had done before uh normally he would uh if he had ever got loose he would just Channing would wake up and find him on the porch that morning. Uh, because Chan- I mean, he was one, he would be in the house with Channing sometimes and he'd bring him in and let him lay around in the house if it was cold out and stuff like that. So, 
uh, I mean, he was a he was a great family dog. Changed kids and wife. They all loved him. But he uh, he got loose, and I don't know if he uh, if he was chasing something or uh, or what. But he tried to cross the four lane and didn't make it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's unfortunately the the fate that a lot of coon hounds uh, end up in. They simply are not aware that there's danger there. Right. And, uh, you know, there's so many things hunting around railroad tracks. There's one place that Nubbin and I turn loose at the White River that we like to go to, but there's a, a elevated train track that comes through there. And, uh, you know, I've seen experiences, especially back there in West Virginia with the coal trains and so forth, where the dogs, they seem like they think they can run underneath that train between yeah. those wheels, you know, and they don't realize how that that one set of wheels that just went by, there's another one coming right behind it. And there's yeah. been a lot of good dogs lost on, on uh, to railroads and just all kinds of things. And then uh, I'll get on the soapbox here when we add this irate landowner who thinks that, you know, uh, they have the right to shoot any animal on their property, um, then, you know, we, we add that danger into our hunting. And, and, of course, we try everything we can to persuade people not to do that. But it's a dangerous world out there for these dogs. And, yeah, it certainly uh, is. Yep, and that's why it's so important that we have these GPS collars uh, able to keep them out of harm's way. You know, I know in Michigan— we had to fight for the right to keep our old beep-beep collars, our telemetry collars, because oh. the antis felt that they were uh, represented unfair uh, chase. You know, we were uh, they wow. painted the hunters as guys sitting in a truck drinking beer watching a, uh, uh, this radio thing, and when the tree switch went off, then they'd run to the dogs and shoot the game, you know. And that, yeah. it, that it was just that easy. We know better, but uh, but it's interesting how that kind of has come for full circle because uh, Florida has passed legislation that requires uh, GPS collars on dogs uh, when you wow. turn them loose. So, you know, it's kind of come full circle there. But they see the advantage, you know, of the hunters to be able to recover their dogs get them and a lot of that uh kind of revolves around the deer hunting with hounds down here which is yeah. still a strong tradition here and uh you know you get keep the dogs on the block where you turn them loose keep them out of the out of the highways and so forth but uh, well it's unfortunate that you lost this nice dog like that did you get any puppies out of max at all no, that's something that Channing and I both kind of wish would have happened. Uh, was that we would have got some pups off of him, and it just it never, never happened. Uh, I don't. We never took Max anywhere. Ever bought a female to him to to breed. Now Channing did have a uh, have a female that he kept in his that he had at his house for a while that was bred up good, and she had some promise. To, uh, showed some promise too when she was younger. Uh, that we thought she was going to be the. Be, be a good one and that we're going to be able to get pups off them and it just never it never panned out where we were able to well this is a good opportunity here we always try to teach something on this podcast and one thing that i'd like to 
to teach here, if I may, is that get get these good dogs collected. This uh, this uh, artificial insemination through frozen semen has come a long way. It's very successful. It might be a little more expensive, uh, but if you've got a good one that you think you would like to have something, maybe not now, but down the road, get that dog collected and frozen, and it can stay in a in a tank uh, just like they do in the cattle industry, and uh, so that would be one thing. Another thing is if you've got these real good dogs, breed them early. They're stronger breeders when they're young. Um, you know, everything about them is stronger, and, and you're more apt to get good, strong, healthy litters um, when you breed young dogs. Once, If you've got the genetics there and you've got the, you know, uh, the ability's been demonstrated in that dog, you know, don't wait. That was the thing with my dad and me with the bear pin plots that we raised for so many years. You know, we would wait until the female was already up in age before we would breed her sometimes, you know, uh, yeah. because we didn't want to take her out of the, the pack, you know, didn't want right. to have that downtime with those puppies. But you got to build for the future with these hounds, you know. And Yep. I, I certainly would, and I, and I, I know Channing would say the same thing. We, we wish we would have done something like that, or or planned earlier and had pups out of, out of mass because he did show he was promising from from a young age. We knew he was a he was a good dog, uh, and that that's something we probably should have. I, I I speak like I had part ownership of him, but I didn't own a hair on that dog. I just I just thought the world of him, and uh, and, and like I said, I, I could have took him hunting anytime I wanted. Channing can come get anything I got, and take anything mm-hmm. I got to, to hunt with at any time, and I can do the same with his. So, Well, it's wonderful to have those kind of relationships, you know. Yeah, it is. And, and it's in this dog sport. And I would be, I'd be out right now if it weren't for my friends. You know, I could list a, a lot of them, but two guys that are really helping me right now with young dogs that I would not be able to train just simply because where I'm living and the circumstances – and that's my friend Mark Miller up in North Carolina that's hunting our uh, little plot dog fever. And uh, Keston Jesse, who's been on the podcast here a couple episodes ago up in Virginia, that's hunting the uh, Trackman Lone Pine Jillian pup that we go on together. I would not be able to, uh, well, if I, I owned the pups, I'd either have to send them to somebody to to hunt and and pay a sizable amount of money every month to get them hunted, or I could uh, do what I've done with these and these guys and and we're co-owners of the dog. They own the dog just as much as I do, but it gives me the opportunity to be involved with that dog, and uh, and it's a great time to be an old guy right now with this. Uh, with these cell phones with videos and and uh, text messaging and and all of that, you know. So, uh, yeah, I listened to. Uh, I, I did listen to. Uh, I did get to. Li- I listened to both the podcast. Well, I listened to all the podcasts, but I, I did get to listen to the one with Mark and the one with Keston, and I was impressed with both. I think you. Uh, uh, 
you've been blessed with two good partners on those dogs, guys that's going to put them in the woods and give them the opportunity to, to do something. Uh, so I think I was uh, I was impressed with both of them. I think you all, uh, that's a good owner, that's a good partnership, it seems, seems to be. Well, Josh, I couldn't say enough about either one of these guys. I mean, they, they're coon hunters. There's no yeah. question about it. And uh, uh, we had a little uh, little fun weekend here just uh, since the hurricane went. See, I was supposed to be up in uh, Virginia, North Carolina, and Pennsylvania hunting all of that hurricane week. And uh, I got up to North Carolina, and Mark and I went hunting. Um on a let's see what we do Saturday night, and I was going to then head over to Heath Hyatt, who's a, a well known in the podcast world with his uh, the Journey podcast, yep. uh, and uh, we were going to bear hunt three days. Then I was going to uh, hunt a night with Keston, with our uh, Trackman Lone Pine pup, and then head to Randy Smith's in Pennsylvania for a couple of nights. Well, all of that changed when Hurricane Ian decided to come up the west coast of yeah. Florida. But yeah. anyway, uh, just this last weekend, uh, Mark took uh, fever to a UKC hunt on Friday. Uh, and uh, are you there? Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, I heard a noise there on. I'm going to have to mark that so we can get the producer to take that out. Uh, we uh, uh, Mark took fever to uh, to a UKC night hunt on Friday night, and it was pouring down rain. They got the effects of that hurricane that came up through the Carolinas. In fact, UKC canceled. Oh no, no, PKC canceled the zone hunt the regional qualifying event for their world hunt that was to be held in union south carolina they canceled it because of the weather but uh mark being hardcore you know it was raining but he went to the hunt and said they had a pretty good turnout and he hunted in the rain and got another cast win on that well, pup so well, he's, he's got four now he's it's one to go and and uh i'd posted on social media a few weeks ago or so mark had got some nice uh these uh insulated metal uh mugs like made and and had fever's picture on it and it said catch the fever and he'd send it to me and i said no no i'm not going to use that until he finishes in the night champion and gets his tournament champions qualification. So I'm sitting here looking at that mug right now, and I'm still drinking out of a Dixie cup because we haven't got that <laughs> fifth. <laughs> we haven't got that fifth win yet. But hats off to Mark, you know, for for having the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, I guess fortitude to get out in that rain, you know, and I guess they got soaked and all. But anyway. To, to your point, yes, I do have two great partners in my dogs, and I just couldn't be thankful enough for them. Yeah, that's great. Well, it sounds like uh, sounds like you're going to you got a good one on your hands there. <laughs> well, you never know. Uh, you know, at a, a pup that age, he won't be uh, a year old until the middle of October. So uh, yeah. we kind of 
once he started winning some casts, we thought, well, wouldn't that be neat if he, he got five before he's a year old? So we still, I think we got one more opportunity um, that we might be able to do that. But uh, if he don't, I think we're going to keep him anyway. Oh, yeah. If you don't, I know somebody who'll take you. I bet, I bet. But Yeah, it's just a so much fun to watch young dogs develop and uh, yeah, to is. see them, uh, you know, do what uh, those genetics. And this dog world, I saw something, a post by uh, a lady out in, well, let's see, there, I think, in Nevada or possibly Arizona. Cleve and Becky Dwyer, they are yeah. lion hunters. And Becky is a very astute dog person, I think, but she wouldn't say so. She says she's still just learning. But she made a post here that I just read today talking about, you know, uh, how she's still learning, still learning about these dogs. I've been yeah. around them since I was a little kid. Can't ever remember a time when there wasn't a dog out the back door at the house and don't know <laughs> a, a, a smidgen, as they'd say back home, of what I ought to know about dogs and breeding dogs and, and all. But it's a wonderful thing to be involved in and to try to study them and try to see how to plan these crosses. Maybe that will work, uh, yeah. you know. And, uh, but it's, it's always a mystery. You may pick the best male and female and look at the papers and think this is a a absolute slam dunk. There's no way these puppies can fail, and yet you know uh, they do. And yep. uh, you know, I, and and then on the other hand, sometimes you know what seems to be obvious is, and that's what I think about when. Uh, Lane Denny bred his Emmy female world champion to the Rackham Willie dog at J.R. Gray's, and those pups are—they have done great. Yes, you know they're both—they were both outstanding dogs, and uh, both world champions. Willie, a, a twice world champion, AKC and UKC, and uh, and here and and Emmy a world champion too, and. And those pups have turned out great. So, but to say every time you build, breed a great dog to a great dog, you're going to get great pups. Mm. Can't yeah, say that. Yeah, it doesn't seem to work that way, does it? It doesn't. There's a lot of mystery to it, and I guess that's what makes it so interesting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Josh, tell me about your trip to Autumn Oaks. You and the boys went up to Autumn Oaks, I believe, for the first time, didn't you? Yep, that was our uh, that was our first trip. Uh, my buddy Justin, uh, the one we hunt with, uh, has the has the blue dogs. Uh, if he wasn't family and hunted blue dogs, I'm not sure I would uh, I'd hang out with him as much as we do. Uh, but just because he's family, I let him hang around. But we uh, <laughs> he he's he's had he's actually he the the dogs he had uh, he got rid of uh, one of them uh, the cutter he had cutter and hope was the first blue dogs and i'm talking about because me and you have spoke about these dogs uh before and yeah. uh cutter actually went up to autumn oaks and uh and done pretty good and uh out of him and hope we kind of thought hope was going to be the better the better dog out of that but uh cutter uh seemed to do pretty good while he was up there and 
so we'll, us, me and my boys and Justin and his uh, his little boy Brandon uh, made it up to Autumn Oaks. Uh, it was Justin, he's been there before, but that was our first trip, and uh, we were kind of uh, blown away with it. Even we were just there for the Saturday, there for one day, and it rained most of that day, and we still had it. We had a blast. Well, that's great. Well, tell me a little bit about what you experienced up there. Well, we, uh, I mean, it, to me, it's it's awesome to see that many coon hunters. Uh, even though I know there's a lot of coon hunters, and I know they're. I know they're out there, but to see that many coon hunters, if you love coon hunting and you love flea markets, man, Autumn Oaks is the place for you because they got a little bit of everything. And, uh, and it, it is a, to me, a great atmosphere to be surrounded by coon hunters, to be surrounded by dogs and, and all the equipment that we use and, uh, just meeting people. Uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of an amazing thing, which we don't have our channel and even in the, the coon hunting world, our YouTube channel is not one of the bigger ones, uh, as far as as far as that goes. But for people to to recognize you, that that kind of blows you blows your mind a little bit. Uh, but we we had a great time meeting people, and uh, like uh, some of our sponsors were obviously obviously there. Cajun Lights was was there, and uh, even though LW Nixon, who is now the owner of Cajun, I've I've talked to him several times on the phone and through Messenger, but got to meet him and. Uh, and and his mom and his dad they were helping him there in the booth and got the opportunity to to meet and talk to them and they are just, they're great people uh, uh, and it made me it made me even I've always been kind of uh, proud and happy to to wear that Cajun name to wear the lights and and to use their products but it made me proud when when you meet the people who make them and and see what kind of people they are uh, it make it makes you proud to, to carry that name and to wear that. Uh, to wear that equipment so they they are just great people and i can't say enough about them but uh the boys had to wait on me uh, i seen that lw was kind of covered up he was repairing lights and working on collars and uh, and his mom and dad was trying to keep up with everybody that was coming around to buy stuff so i volunteered to help and spent the last two hours <laughs> that we were there working that booth and and I'm just saying, and the boys sitting over there eating ice cream and, and uh, pulled pork sandwiches <laughs> while, while I was uh, helping them work that booth. But I, I, I just enjoyed meeting everybody sure. and getting the experience, getting the yeah. experience. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, if you're around, you know, most in any community where we live, you know, they talk about, well, you need to support the local business people, you know, yeah. the big yep. box stores and all that but are there. But if you can support the local business, well, these vendors that come to Autumn Oaks and, or maybe they're just out there at your local club hunt on Saturday night with the table set up with collars and leashes and, and maybe a garment or two or, and a few set, uh, pairs of boots or whatever. We, th those are our local businesses. You know, sure. they're part of our coon hunting community. Those people uh, have connections to coon hunting or they wouldn't be in that business. And, uh, you know, I try to support those people as much as I can. I have really supported them more than I needed at times, <laughs> uh, sure. you know, because here was a new gadget of some kind that I didn't have yet. 
Sure. And that's what I always try to do at Autumn Oaks is go take a cruise through the barn and see if there's anything in there. There's nothing there I need, I know, but there might be some <laughs> things that I want. And we joked about Keston being on his first trip to Autumn Oaks and how, you know, the vendors were doing very well because every time I saw him, he was coming through from the vendor barn with something else in his hand to go put in the truck, you know. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, but, yeah, that's great. And, uh, uh, you know, each one of these guys, we all have favorites. You know, somebody may like brand A, somebody else brand B, brand C, whatever. But, you know, as a rule, whatever you find out there uh, – at these uh, major events like Automoaks are going to be geared to your sport. And you can't walk in Tractor Supply or, uh, uh, you know, sometimes in Bass Pro or Cabela's or somewhere and get something that's geared just for the sport of coon hunting. Cause, no, that's yeah, you know, because we have special needs. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, take, it, it takes tough equipment to stand up to the rigors night after night, you know, of, uh, yep. of coon hunting. And yep, it certainly does. And, and these in collars, you know, you go tractor supplier somewhere and buy a collar. Well, coon dogs are going to have that thing torn up in, in two or three nights, you know? Uh, yes, sir. I'm, that might be a poor example. I don't have any, any vendetta against tractor supply. <laughs> I apologize, but just the, by example, the, the companies that don't make it specifically for, Right. you know it's not going to hold up quite quite simply i remember back when i was at akc and i first heard that garmin was working on a call uh, working on a gps unit for dogs and i talked to bob west who was with purina and he'd been out i guess to kansas and had seen a demonstration on this thing and what the way it was designed at that time was a vest for the dog to wear with a, an antenna that stuck up on the back of the vest, like from from the dog's shoulder blades, a little rubber yeah. ducky antenna and all. Now, can you imagine about the first fence a coon dog went through with that thing? I no, mean, wouldn't, he, wouldn't last very long at all. <laughs> no. So, you know, and I was, I was happy to be able to participate in some of the uh, – uh, testing of the prototypes and things that uh, as Garmin was developing, you know, the collars for the dogs. Yeah. And uh, and even at best, you know, the dogs are still going to find ways to tear them up at times. But anyway, my point being when I got on that big rabbit path was to to say we need to support and appreciate these vendors that provide these products for us that make our sport so much more enjoyable. And oh, sure, absolutely. Well, some of those, some of the vendors, I know, even with L, with LW, and he, I'm sure he's not the only one. But they to come to these to Automos, and that's not an easy, uh, an easy trip to make. That's not an easy thing, uh, an easy thing to do, and, and to work the whole time you're there. It's not that they're they're not going to. Uh, sure, they're selling they're selling their supplies and. And stuff like that, but they're meeting the people who need this, and that's as valuable to a business as uh, as anything is, especially in this business, is knowing your people, knowing your customers, and and they take they take pride in that and getting to meet them and and inter, and introduce themselves to them, and I think that's an important aspect of 
the big shows like Autumn Oaks or even the Grand American, which I've, I've never got to attend, but I'm sure it's the same thing that sure. these guys come from a long way away sometimes to get there. No, they don't make easy trips and it's not no. easy while they're there. No, I'm, I'm reminded of Sandra Hintz with K-Light Company, her dad, Mike Kelly, you know, founded that company, and she makes that long drive from Texas. She's way down, down by Houston, yeah. you know, and that uh, that's a long road, you know, and yes, with sir. a trailer and all of that. To be there and open her doors and offer her products right there for uh, at our convenience, to yeah. me, that that's a tremendous thing, and we we really don't do enough to appreciate those people. And uh, I think when we recorded before, I got on a bit of a soapbox, and I'll I'll just take one step up on it here uh, to say that you know those vendors get hammered from people wanting donations all the time. Yes, they and, do. and you know. Uh, and, you know, their products are their livelihood. That's how they keep their lights on at home. And so we need to be a little more respectful of these companies. Now, I'm sure that a lot of them are very willing to help as long as it's going for the intended purpose and that they're not taken advantage of. So just think about that, clubs, when you pick up that phone to start calling. Can you donate? Can you donate? Can you donate? Yeah, and absolutely. And coon hunters, don't be so ready to expect a lot of free stuff. You're going out there, you're hunting, you're getting an hour to two hours of fun, you're making some money, or you're getting some points on your dog, and you're doing what you love. And quite honestly, you and I really don't deserve all that free stuff. But <laughs> no. but but it, we do thank the vendors that do provide it for sure. Anyway, I'm going to step back down on the ground now. (laughs) Well, listen, you've got some young dogs or some pups there that you're fooling with, I think. Yeah. Yeah, we do. I got a, uh, I got a 16 month old Walker dog named Ridge right now. He is, uh, Ridge is, uh, lipper on top and, uh, goes back to lipper on top and, uh, Insane cane on the on the bottom side. Uh, I haven't I haven't got his papers back yet to be able to go with, dive in uh, deep on, on his papers, but I know that's I know that's the big part of his breeding anyway that most people majority of people would know uh, are those two dogs. So uh, he is uh, he's not the prettiest walker. He's no max. I'll just tell you that he's not the prettiest dog I ever seen. He's a uh, He's speckled up. He looks more like an English dog probably than what he does, up, which I know the roots go back to that anyway, but, uh, he's, he's speckled up and, but now he does, he does what I, does what I want him to. He's got as much natural ability that, uh, that I've ever personally in my, in my short time and the few dogs that I've had, I, it's hard for me to imagine a dog that's any more natural. I've not done anything, but took him to the woods and, uh, and he's picked up on it. He's picked up on training these coons and, uh, and I, I'm proud of him, for sure. Well, you're the only one that has to be, and uh, right. but it's it's great to hear that you got something going in to this fall season. Now, as we're recording this, it's going to air on October 10th, and that's getting really close to the coon season. What date does it come in in West Virginia this year? Do you know, Josh? Uh, 
Yep, it comes in on the on the fifteenth. Okay, I can always remember it was somewhere around that time. Uh, I often tell, have told people over the years, I was born on October 12th. That was Columbus Day, used to be. I, I told them I discovered America on the same day that Columbus did. <laughs> <laughs> but it was in the, you know, uh, coon season, squirrel season, what we call small game season in West Virginia was all happening right there around my birthday. So that made it a very, very special time of year for me. And the great thing about that was, as I got a little older, I used to get some kind of hunting equipment for my birthday. So that that worked out. It was easier on my folks, and and I I sure did appreciate it. But, sure. uh, but around the country, the coon seasons are coming in. You know, it, it, it's kind of a bittersweet thing because – I always liked to harvest fur. When I lived in Michigan, of course, you know, the fur prices were pretty good when I first moved up there in the early 80s. And then they gradually uh, decreased over the years. But I could still average about $8 a coon hide. So to me, that was worth doing. It was worth skinning that coon out and rolling him up, putting in a plastic bag, dropping him in the freezer, then at the end of the season, taking them out, letting them thaw, brush them out, sometimes take a hairdryer to them, uh, get the burrs out of them and all that, make them look real nice, and take them down to northern Indiana there to a fur buyer. And that was all, you know, and I may leave there three or $400 in my pocket. Uh, yeah. Not a lot of money, but, hey, you know, it was worthwhile, and it was fun. You know, sure. it, it was enjoyable. My good friend Randy Smith in Pennsylvania, he's an expert trapper, and he's trapped for years and years. Unfortunately, you know, the trapping uh, houses in Canada and so pl- so forth have, have basically shut down, and there's no market uh, for that firm uh, to speak of anymore. And that's that makes me sad because uh, that's a resource that is uh, usable and you know the people overseas still make coats out of fur you know and yeah trim the collars and the cuffs and things with the, with the fur so but at any rate i always look forward to coon season and uh, if that dog does a good job then i'd like to drop it down to him and let him uh, know that i i appreciate the job he's doing and that's one of the reasons we go to white river every year uh, not just to kill coons. Uh, we don't ever go for the numbers, but we do we do harvest a few. Uh, sure, you know because it's all uh, you know it's a fun part of the sport to me, and yeah, I don't I apologize for it. No, no, I, and I don't either. But I, I do think I mean that is an important uh, topic to to talk about. I mean, I and everybody has their own opinions on. Uh, on harvesting coons or not harvesting coons, and I'm not saying one way's right or one way's wrong. Not the first word. Different. I, I, I'm envious of that. Of that time, I wish I would have got to participate when the the hides were. You were able to mm-hmm. sell them and mm-hmm. and do something. I wish I was I was coon hunting at that time. And uh, but here, I feel like the coon population is not not conducive with being able to harvest every every right. coon that you shoot. And there's people who do. <laughs> And I, and I wouldn't put them down for nothing. I mean, I, I completely understand that that's a, 
that's an enjoyable part, and, I, and there's scientifically justifiable reasons uh, to do so as far as turkey populations or or anything like that. There's there's reasons that we have the harvest limits that we do, and the biologists make sure that we ha- we we stick to those limits and uh, and be able to maintain a healthy coon population. But just here where I live, uh, with a pup, I think you have to do things a little bit different. You have to reward that dog and let them know. Uh, and to build that confidence and and help, and help them win the, those battles because they're the one fighting the battle while we just stand around looking at a garment or a, a phone mm-hmm. or listening to them run in a holler. You know, they're the ones down there doing that. They deserve that reward from time to time. But there's a lot of them that I leave in the trees around here, and I, and I do that to try to uh, leave something for my, my boys behind. Uh, I want to leave anything I do. I want I want whenever they go to do it, I want them to have more opportunities and better opportunities, uh, mm. even than what I do. As good as the, the coon hunt can be here at times, I want it to be better for, for them behind me. Sure. Uh, so I, I think that's an, I think it's an important thing. I mean, I ain't got a problem with people killing every coon they, they tree, but I also don't think it's going to hurt us to leave one every now and then. Well, I, there's, there's a lot of conversation to be had on, on the subject of Certainly. harvesting coons. And uh, there's been a, a, a pretty good uh, swing of the pendulum uh, away from giving, especially young dogs, a lot of coon or a lot sure. of fur in their mouth. Uh, sometimes it causes more problems than it solves. Uh, so, you know, it, it's uh, it's pretty interesting to uh, see the number of young dogs that are being trained today that have really never had their mouth on fur. And uh, uh, so, but we're hunters. We believe in hunting. Uh, yep. And uh, we believe that uh, th- that we always go back to the North American model for conservation yep. uh, that came about since uh, Teddy Roosevelt and uh, how we brought many, many species back from near extinction uh, and how the harvest plays an important role in that and how that the hunters license fees and the Pittman-Robertson funds, uh, the uh, excise tax on ammo and guns and things like that, that go back into paying for, uh, you know, wildlife management. And the people that are most against us are the people who don't contribute anything. You know, it's the hunter's licenses and, and when he buys sporting goods and those things that, you know, pay the way, so to speak. Yes, sir. So yes, sir. we need not to be ashamed uh, when the harvest time comes, as it is now upon us once again, thank the Lord, <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, to go out and enjoy uh, the fruits, you know, of, of what hunters before us have, have done. And, uh, yes, we need to be good stewards, we need yep. to take care of the wildlife resource. We I, I always had a a uh, personal thing within my family and all. We never took more than one coon out of a tree. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, and then a lot of times we left them when uh, 
when it might have served us better to take them. But anyway, that's uh, I'm glad that the hunting seasons are here once again. Are the leaves turning yet in the mountains? Oh yeah, yeah they're they're starting to turn. Actually, a lot of this rain that we're just now uh, it's just moving out of here from the hurricane. Uh, it's just kind of moving out 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 of here today in our area. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, it helped knock quite a few of the leaves off. So uh, we'll we'll yeah. make that. And a lot of them are changing. So we, we, we look forward to that time. Well, all those guys invi- invested all that money on those thermal scopes. <laughs> Mother Nature's going to be my thermal. <laughs> yeah. Yep, mine, mine too. But that's a great device too, and I'm, I'm certainly not campaigning against the use of those things at all. No, but, absolutely uh, not. And especially as a training aid with young dogs and, and in the summertime and all that. But, uh, Josh, man, it's been a good visit here. We've almost done, uh, we've done about an hour and 15 minutes or so. Uh, it seems like when we get together, we always find something to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's your plan? Do you got any trips planned for the for the fall, or are you going to just hunt around home, or what? what's going uh, no, on? No, uh, we, we, pro- we probably will try to take some trips. Where I think we may try to take a trip in Ohio and hunt. Uh, yeah. We, we. That will probably be the farthest trip, unless somebody invites me to go one of those cornfields that we're talking about. <laughs> uh, then, then I might make a make another trip. But uh, so we do plan on going to uh, Ohio and uh, and trying to get uh, get these dogs on a little, to get these young dogs on a, maybe a few easier tracks than what we can uh, find around here from time to time. And uh, we do got we got two young pups that are just uh, right at twelve weeks old here now so by the end of coon season they'll they should be out at least running around the hills i don't know what they'll be doing so uh and we may end up having to take another trip to ohio once if they start showing any kind of interest and and promise so uh we're we're looking forward to them we got two pups out of uh my dog my old dog nitro so that that was my goal with him was to be able to get some pups and we were able to do that uh he woodrow smith has him and I know you know who Woodrow is. Yes, uh-huh. uh, Woodrow. He lives in lives in Virginia. He's about four or five hours from me, but uh, he's got Woodrow and uh, bred to his female Kate. She's a good. She's a coon dog. Nobody else listen to this podcast other than uh, me and me and Woodrow and his boys may not may know that dog, but she's a she's a pretty good coon dog, and uh, we we wanted to get pups off them too, and uh, we got two now that uh, we're looking looking forward to. Well, that's great, and it's always fun to be able to enter a, a hunting season with some projects, as we like to yes. say, and to see how they develop. And you know, that's the joy of hunting for me now. Uh, it, it always has been somewhat. You know, I've had some good hounds over the, over the years, and I had hounds that were competitive, and I sure like to take them to the to the hunts and and win a cast and. And all that goes with it. But I think seeing a young dog develop has always been the most fun. And I do appreciate the text uh, messages and emails that I get from listeners and uh, social media friends uh, asking me questions about hunting. I don't claim to be an expert. I don't claim to have all the answers. But I will share with you what I do know and what i do feel will work or might help you so if you want to contact me i i'm on facebook at steven s-t-e-p-h-e-n 
F. Fielder. And I also have a site called Gone to the Dogs uh, Podcast with Steve Fielder. And uh, also the Coon Hunting Conversations uh, group on Facebook. We're up uh, pretty close to 10,000 members in that group. A lot of good coon hunting conversation there. And uh, so if you'll get in touch with me, I'll be happy to try to to help you with your situation. And if I don't know the answer, I, I think I've got a pretty good network of people that I can point you toward that would be uh, be glad to help you. I, I meet people from all over the country, and I'm going to have Bruce Jansen on here uh, in, in shortly, who is a very knowledgeable uh, dog man, coon hunter. And uh, we, we had a brief interview with Bruce uh, in our Autumn Oaks uh, episodes. But at any rate, uh, with that, I will tell you that I have the Gone to the Dogs uh, logo, ball caps, some call them trucker's caps. These are solid front with a mesh back. There's either black and gray or green and white. Uh, the shipping is free. Those are available for $25 at Steve fielderbooks.com and of course you can get a copy of my book gone to the dogs a coon hunter's journey uh, at that website as well stevefielderbooks.com josh it's been great to have you on the podcast did we shine this tree pretty well or do we do we is there some low limbs that we haven't covered yet that we need to do no steve i think we've shined it pretty well and i i appreciate the opportunity i like I always say, I know there's several people. You do have quite the, the extensive network, and I know you could have had it just about anybody on here, but I appreciate you uh, inviting me on to be able to talk to you, and I, I enjoy it more, more so than being on the podcast. I enjoy getting to sit around and, and talk dogs and talk coon hunting with you. I really enjoy it. Well, that's what this podcast is supposed to be about, Josh, and that's the way I'm intending to keep this thing with good, down-to-earth people, people that I uh, respect and uh, people that have something to say and, and to share with the listeners. And, and you fit that bill just to a T, my brother. Hey, well, tell, uh, tell Bryson and Peyton hello for me. Any of you coon hunters up there in that flat country with those cornfields, it'd be well worth your time to hook up here with Josh Muncie just for the experience of meeting his boys. It'll be a, an experience you won't forget. Josh, thank you for coming on, brother. Wish you oh, and your you, you and your family, and uh, those of you out there in the podcast world, if somebody asks you, where's that old coon hunter, Steve Fielder? Just tell them, well, he's gone to the dogs. Yeah.